Welcome to Next Up with NextGen, the podcast bringing you insights and perspectives from the next generation of leaders in the American Council of the Blind. Brought to you by ACB Next Generation. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Next Up with NextGen podcast presented by ACB Next Generation. My name is Greg Lindbergh, and I am the current chair of the Publications Committee within NextGen. Here on this episode of the podcast, we are featuring part two from our note-taking 101 education event series, and this particular event was held back in October of 2022. The primary focus of this event was on note-taking with technology for the blind and visually impaired, and the presenters were Maria Kristich, who is the current treasurer of NextGen, as well as yours truly. So let's go ahead now and turn things over to Marissa Musemich, who, along with Kristen Kelling, was one of the facilitators of this event. Okay, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and give the introduction now that we have uh, all the presenters here. Good evening, everyone. Um, this is Marissa Musemich, and I am... Happy to welcome you to the ACB Next Generation Education event. We are going to talk about um, note-taking 101 part two, and we are going to focus on the technology that uh, people use to take um, notes. So we have two presenters today, Maria Kristich and uh, Greg Lindberg. And they're going to talk to us about um, different uh, about technology that they use to take notes. So I'm going to give each presenter 15 minutes. I know I uh, originally said 10, but since we don't have Cassie today, I'm just going to have each of you present for 15 minutes and then we'll open it up for question. And then the next uh, presenter will also present for 15 and then people will um, will open it up for questions. I've, I'm most concerned if I have one presentation behind another that people may not be as focused. So um, I think it's better this way. So um, does does anybody want to go first? I don't want to put you guys on the on the spot, but uh, if anyone wants to go first, that's fine with me. Well, I can go first. This is Maria. <laughs> okay, go right. ahead. Well, thank you. I'm going to be talking about note-taking with a Braille display. So uh, that actually has several dimensions to it or several possibilities to it, I should say. So, But first, before we get to any of that, uh, why would you want to incorporate a Braille display into your note-taking if you are you know, a Braille user and uh, a screen reader user, you know, you think, oh, I have this other thing to carry. Why should I do that? And the, you know, main reason behind that is the, the silence, the fact that you don't have another device that's talking in your ear when you're trying to listen to your professor or your meeting colleague or whoever it is. So you don't have, you know, the headphone in one ear and you're listening to the goings on in the other ear. You can have both ears turned to your, tuned to your environment. Also, if you need to quickly reference some 
part of your notes, like say if you're in a work meeting or a class and, you know, some question comes up that, you know, you have the answer to in your notes or, you know, again, some part of uh, the, the meeting where you're referring to your notes. It's much, I have found at least that it's just much more efficient and discreet to be able to use a Braille display to look that up. And then uh, more importantly, it's easier to read it back. So um, with that, so, and I will, I will say that I have a focus sporty blue fifth generation. I will try to be as generic as possible, but I will, if I'm giving an example, I will give an example with my focus. I do have some familiarity just in general with the braille display landscape. It's something that, you know, interests me, but I don't, you know, have actual physical experience uh, with other ones. So that being said, with taking notes on a braille display, you've got a couple of possibilities, namely using the display's own note taker type, uh, note taking type uh, program, whatever that is, whether a scratch pad as it's called on the focus, or it might be called an editor or uh, a uh, key, um, keypad or, or some kind of a similar name. Uh, or you can connect the Braille display. Uh, and that's, you know, as the name suggests, its primary function is to be a Braille display to another host device, whether that be PC, Mac, uh, iOS, Android, what have you. You can connect your Braille display and then use the apps of your host device and uh, enter your notes in Braille. So uh, in terms of the first option, the internal uh, note-taking note, uh, program. Um, so generally, so unless you have a full-fledged note taker, so I'm primarily talking about Braille displays, but I did want to mention there are also note taker products like the Braille Sense 6 and 6 Mini and the Braille Note Touch Plus, for example, uh, that do have full, more closely, if you will, full featured. They're not as, you know, it's, it's not Microsoft Word, but they are meant to have, um, some type of more fully featured word processing program. So um, certainly you could use something like that. And those do have uh, integration with cloud storage. Um, but what I am referring to with a Braille display is a more basic uh, experience. So you're going to have the ability to cut, copy, paste, you can search for text, you can probably do, you know, find, replace, uh, type function, but you're not going to have, um, for example, uh, you know, different fonts or, you know, the ability in a note-taking context, we heard about, um, you know, the, the uh, usefulness of uh, bullet points, for example, and um, you're not going to have that kind of ability in making um, in making, uh, you know, an outline with these basic, um, you know, scratch pad, if you will, um, type features. But again, for a, a very, you know, basic, certainly that is an option. Um, now, what, what do you do with that, right? Internally, you've taken the note. Well, you can, uh, in most cases, usually with these types of programs, you can uh, either uh, directly so you would uh, create, say, a, a TXT file or a BRF file, and it would be saved to whatever the storage is, an SD card or flash drive. Uh, and then you would manually take that, uh, you know, storage medium over to your 
you know, whatever other device, like say, if you wanted to save it into cloud storage, you'd put uh, that into your PC and then you would transfer the file over to your cloud storage. So it's not just going to magically, you know, appear everywhere. You have to manually make sure it's only going to be on that one device unless you manually move it across and it's not going to sync across. You won't be able to access it across your devices. The other thing to point out too is, um, and for, for actually typing, and I'll mention this too in the in the host section, you know, you might want to use a contracted Braille, uh, which could be faster for you in terms of using contractions. And again, depending on your note-taking program um, on your Braille display, some of them have Braille translation and some do not. So like the focus um, does not in its scratch pad. So if you want a TXT file, um, you have to uh, actually just type using, you know, uncontracted uh, or, or um, eight dot Braille. And if you type in a BRF file, then you need a you know program to translate the BRF to, you know, a text file if you want to access it with speech and such. So so those are some considerations um, to, to definitely uh, take uh, into uh those are some things to take into consideration. Um, and then just, I mentioned the TXT files, even on the Braille displays, uh, as far as I know, even if it can read other file formats, I mentioned TXT because that tends to be what they can um, save in. So regardless of if you take like, you know, Word file from your computer with your notes and you open it in your Braille displays scratch pad or keypad, um, you know, or, or editor program and you take notes and you save it, it's probably gonna end up as a text file. Um, so again, losing that that formatting, if you're doing bulleting or anything. That, uh, that so so that's certainly one possibility um you can also export like with the focus scratch pad you can go into an edit field uh in your host device you set the braille grade uh, you know uh, appropriately and then you can export the text but again it's definitely not as seamless to access on different devices so what i prefer to do is to take notes uh with my display connected to my pc and i use word and let me quickly just address i know it was asked the last program um part one about note taking with ios i will say that from a braille display use perspective in my opinion that is just it's very unstable and unreliable at this point if you type too much stuff in one paragraph it will start to slow down um literally the, like the output will just be, take more and more time to appear on your device and then it will start skipping letters because it'll start missing letters that you're typing as you're typing more um the other thing if you delete something your cursor will jump so you'll be deleting something different from what you thought you were deleting sometimes um it's even um uh instead of like just deleting it'll like duplicate part of the word that you were just meaning to delete and it'll put that at the end it's, it's very strange um so it's just really when you're trying to take notes in a situation i have found it's just way too unreliable um you know perhaps if you want to use braille if you use you know some uh, product like the Hable One that's a regular Bluetooth keyboard. So, you know, iOS isn't providing the Braille support. You could, you know, do it that way. But again, that's just using, you know, speech only um, because, you know, moving your hands back and forth between two devices isn't that efficient. So, um, so I do not use iOS for my personal note taking. Um, I use my PC, as I said, I use Word. Um, I do have an L Braille as well, which is basically a, a Windows PC and a note taker form factor. So um, I can either connect with my regular laptop or um, with with my L Braille. And again, just using Word in, in both of those instances. Um, so what, what I do, so in terms of you know, the first step in using a Braille display with your PC is, of course, to um, add it to your um, PC and your screen reader. So, um, again, this is going to be where I advise you to check the documentation of both your screen reader um, and your Braille display 
to see what um, instructions are there. Some displays the drivers are built in, others you have to install a driver first, and that depends on your screen reader, uh, it depends on your screen reader version sometimes, it depends on the braille display. So um, in general, if you have to install a driver, you would do that first, and then you would either plug in these, uh, the braille displays connect via USB or Bluetooth. Um, if it's USB, you'd plug in the, uh, the device via USB. If it's Bluetooth, you would add it in your Bluetooth settings of your, uh, of your PC, just like any other Bluetooth device. And then you're gonna go into your screen reader and um, add the braille display as your preferred display there. And again, the process could be more automatic or it might involve you having to find out some port information from your Bluetooth device properties. Again, it just all very much depends on your display. Um, of course, I'm using I use JAWS primarily and the focus and so those being manufactured both by those being both freedom scientific products they obviously work very seamlessly and automatically together so once you have done that and you're ready to take notes um just some tips I would because you know you're basically going into word and you're typing um you know as as per some of the suggestions that work for you or that were suggested last time um I would suggest first if you're quick with you know, contracted Braille, you definitely might find that to be faster. So you'd want to, um, you know, make sure look in your screen reader's Braille settings and set things the way you like, things like the grade of Braille, um, things like whether, how do you want the cursor to show or not show. Um, and some sometimes the Braille displays also have commands to toggle these things quickly if you find you need it to be different in a certain scenario. So um, again, checking your screen reader and uh, Braille displays documentation there for, for available commands is useful. Um, but with typing and grade, you know, contracted, you know, you can do like we talked about, say, bulleting and by default word, if you type an asterisk and space, it will, you know, start a bulleted list. Well, you can definitely do that in contracted Braille, you know, type your, and I'm using unified English Braille, um, which is the supported code in the U.S. It has been for a few years now, um, you know, dot five and then dots three and five for your asterisk and then space, and it will, you know, autocorrect to a bullet. So just because you're using contractions doesn't mean that you, you know, can't take advantage of some of those auto um, numbering and, and list features in Word. Um, I would also suggest um, learning the commands for uh, working with your uh, for controlling your computer via your Braille display to the extent that that is um, available. Um, I know, for example, um, well, I, so I've been talking about, you know, I have a, a, my focus with a Braille keyboard, which I like because it's a smaller, you know, form factor and I don't have to move my fingers in any weird positions. They're just always in the same, you know, on the same dots, but you doing different combinations. Um, but, you know, I know there is, you know, the, the, the Mantis Q40 is a display with a QWERTY keyboard. And so, um, you know, with that one, you could, you know, type if you wanted with, uh, you'd usually be typing with QWERTY. You, you can, I believe, do some Braille, simulated Braille input, but you would typically be typing with the keyboard and then just using, um, you know, for the most part, your regular just laptop, uh, you know, QWERTY uh, commands. Um, but in terms of a Braille keyboard, uh, I would absolutely recommend learning um, your available screen readers, uh, available commands for controlling the device because controlling your, your PC, because it really is so much more efficient than having to move your hands back and forth between the display and the computer. And it also gives you lots of flexibility. Like I can have my Braille display on my lap as I'm connected, you know, via Bluetooth or obviously like if it's my L Braille, the whole thing is on my lap, but, and I can just switch back and forth between devices. But like, I can be flexible. Like if, um, 
and I still do occasionally have an in-person meeting. Um, and, you know, if, like one of my coworkers wants to see something on my screen, some notes or what have you, I can just be like, here, you know, flip the, the laptop over to them and they can take a look because I'm controlling it via Bluetooth for my Braille display and I still have full access. So, and again, that's because I'm, I'm not needing to, of course I can if I, if I need to, and sometimes I do to just change up my hand movements, but it's just, I found it to be so convenient to be able to just control everything from the one device. Um, now, you know, people have said they look at commands for, you know, braille displays and screen readers, and they see so many commands and it seems so intimidating, but here's the thing. And of course, again, this is going to vary based on, you know, like some screen readers, may not have as much of braille support so it's to the extent that this is possible but like for example say with jaws and the focus the reason that there are so many commands is that initially there had to be a uh, specific braille display commands to accomplish functions before the concept was introduced of emulating the modifier keys on the qwerty keyboard so um there are basically you know multiple ways to do a lot of things and you find that for the most part um, you know, for me in practice, it's like I learned those modifier emulations and those are, you know, things like how do you uh, emulate, you know, control alt uh, windows, that kind of thing, um, you know, insert and such. But and also then, you know, windows by itself to launch the start menu or alt by itself for, you know, ribbons or what have you, so tab, shift tab, escape, things like that, applications keep. But, um, you know, function keys. So when you get those, and th so those are maybe, let's say, like, I would say, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 or so commands. Then once you learn those emulations, you can just easily translate them. And especially, again, just some practice um, to you're performing the same PC commands just using these, you know, emulations. And I will say, like, for the help um, on this topic with for the focus, um, you know, Vispero has been good about providing some kind of uh, you know, helpful ways of thinking about it in terms of finger placements of how you remember these these emulations. So really, I mean, once you have those down and you just practice those, you can basically do everything. The other commands, the, the if you will, the one step, you know, commands are just kind of like they're icing on the cake. Like if you find yourself doing something very often, you might use them, but you can, you know, absolutely Go, you know, do without them if you um, need, or as you're just learning and kind of gradually picking up more things. So I would really recommend um, that if you have a Braille display with a with a, a Braille keyboard and you're using it with your PC to to learn um, some of those commands uh, for you know for for greater efficiency. So with that, I believe I've reached my 15 minutes, and that was all I had to say. And I will be happy to take any questions. Okay. So I think what I'm going to do then is uh, we'll move all, uh, on over to the next presenter, to Greg. And then um, after that, we'll see if people have any uh, questions for either of the presenters. So, Greg, the floor is yours. All righty. Thanks, Marissa. And I uh, just want to thank the Programs Committee for inviting me to present tonight. Um, hopefully I have, uh, you know, some helpful info here just based on my experience over the years uh, using various devices. So I'm mainly going to speak about uh, PC and Mac uh, using those, you know, laptops, desktops, whatnot uh, for note taking uh, primarily with a screen reader, but also some of these tips and tricks uh, could apply to magnification users as well. And then at the end, I did want to mention just a few uh, digital recorders that I do use uh, even still 
I know, you know, on mobile devices, you know, smartphones, tablets, whatnot have kind of taken over uh, kind of these old school digital recorders, but I do just have a few that I wanted to mention. Uh, so first off, let's start with uh, PC and, uh, you know, just in terms of software that, uh, that I, I recommend as far as taking notes. Um, so finding the best software is definitely important. Some software, kind of like Maria was talking about when it comes to Braille, you know, some is pretty basic. You know, other software is a lot more sophisticated in terms of formatting and features and functionality. Um, so it really comes down to personal preference and certainly, you know, the circumstance or situation that you're in uh, when taking notes. So for PC, uh, Notepad is, is probably the most bare bones, you know, word processor. And uh, it's, you know, pretty much just uh, it gives you a blank uh, white, you know, screen to window to type into and uh, very, very simple, very rudimentary. Um, you know, if you're not looking for any kind of uh, formatting options, or I know you can do a little bit as far as fonts and a few things here and there, but it's, it's pretty bare bones, um, which to me is, I find to be pretty, you know, stress-free and, you know, simple to use uh, at times. And then another option is WordPad. <clears throat> and uh, so that has a few more features uh, than Notepad as far as formatting and functionality. But again, still a pretty basic and, you know, simple program. And, and both of those do come, you know, generally with a PC with Windows. Uh, Microsoft Word is, is probably your more robust option. Um, obviously, you're probably going to have to pay for that in a lot of cases unless you have it for work or school. Uh, through, say, Office 365 or whatnot. And, uh, you know, obviously Word just is, is packed with so many different uh, features and, and functions, you know, especially when it comes to formatting, uh, bulleted lists, numbered lists, you know, in terms of note-taking, you know, head making headings, H1s, H2s, H3s, different things that might uh, be beneficial, you know, to help you when it comes to note-taking. And then I did also want to mention Microsoft OneNote. I don't really have much experience with it, but I know it's uh, more of a collaborative tool for teams or group projects where you can really share, share notes, not only input notes into it, but also share and collaborate uh, with others that you might be working with on different projects. As far as the Mac goes, uh, so TextEdit is kind of the notepad equivalent on Mac. Again, very basic piece of software, comes built right into the Mac. And uh, just, again, if you're looking for, for stress-free, no strings attached, simple software, uh, definitely recommend that. Uh, Pages is also built into most Macs, comes with most Macs. And uh, a lot of similar functionalities to Word, um, you know, but generally it's a free option. And... Uh, as far as screen readers go, it tends to work a little bit better than Word in terms of navigating and, and typing and just generally, uh, you know, the user experience seems to be better compared to Word. And then of course you can get uh, Office products for Mac as well, like Word and OneNote, like I mentioned before, for, for PC. And so they pretty much do everything, you know, on Mac that you can also do on PC. Um, so just wanted to mention those as well. Just one kind of 
quick tip here. Um, if you don't have access to software for whatever reason, you can just literally send yourself an email, you know, open. If, if you do have Outlook, let's say, just email yourself a quick note, you know, Gmail, Yahoo, whatnot. Open a web browser and just, you know, send yourself an email. It's, it's pretty simple and a lot of people may not even think of it. You know, you generally email someone else, but emailing yourself can, can really save time and it's easy to go back and access that info um, if need be. And then just uh, going back to kind of the software, um, you know, like Maria did mention as well, uh, in terms of formatting, kind of the auto formatting, saying word, I know sometimes, you know, myself included, that can drive you nuts when it starts just automatically making a bulleted list, a numbered list, and you're like, wait a minute, this is not helpful. You know, in some cases, perhaps it is. In other cases, it's, it can be more of a nuisance. Um, so <clears throat> again, that's why I would recommend, you know, something like a, a notepad or a text edit or even WordPad um, can be a lot, you know, simpler and don't have those, those features necessarily that, uh, you know, where it has that, that AI or whatnot. And it thinks maybe you're about to write, you know, a list of 10 items and you want it numbered. And in fact, you don't. Um, so would definitely recommend, again, it's, it's case by case. Um, but definitely nice to have options out there, you know, whether you, you want that feature or not. Um, I did want to mention voice typing um, and, and also dragon. So I know it may not be necessarily relevant to note taking if you are listening to, you know, a professor, whether it's in person, on Zoom, listening to a meeting, work meeting, ACB, next gen meeting, whatnot. Um, but it's it's certainly an option to consider. Um, so voice voice typing, I know, is a fairly new feature built into Windows. And I believe it's available on only certain versions of Windows 10, but definitely available on Windows 11 if you do have access to that. And if you just press Windows key plus H, that should enable uh, voice typing. So it's essentially voice to text, you know, dictating notes into any kind of text box so you know whether it's word notepad uh, outlook you know any kind of form that you might be filling out uh, on a web browser uh, definitely a handy feature and i know you you, you, know, you certainly have to have a microphone uh, built into a computer or if you have an external mic i believe uh, you can use to you know to to speak uh, that information into your computer and then Dragon, maybe more of an old school uh, software that you know was popular years back, but I know it's still out there. I'm not sure if there's a free version available, but uh, you know, in addition to Dragon, I know there are a number of of these uh, speech to text, you know, voice to text type programs out there. You know, again, if if that is relevant to to note taking. Just a few other general tips. Uh, so typing skills are, are huge. Um, if you can kind of beef up your typing skills and practice and become a better typist, you know, obviously you can take down information more quickly, more accurately. Um, so that's, that's certainly, you know, really helpful just in general when it comes to note taking. And they say the average uh, person is, types about 40 words per minute. But uh, you can certainly double that, if not more, you know, if you really work on, on your typing. Uh, 
And there are actually free typing speed tests that you can do online if you just Google typing speed test just to kind of see where you are. And then just, again, working the keyboard, you know, putting your, your left hand, your fingers on that ASDF, uh, your right hand on the JKL semicolon and kind of working toward that. Um, I, I learned that. I was thankful to learn that back in middle school and, uh, you know, have used that for 20 plus years here ever since. So that's in general when it comes to, to note taking, that's huge. Abbreviations are also, you know, important in general. Um, you know, putting the letter U instead of writing out Y-O-U, the letter R for A-R-E, B-C for because. You know, just in general, uh, any kind of shorthand that you can type, you know, to save time so that you're not typing out full, uh, full words, you know, if it's a simple word versus like a proper noun or something that you really want to spell correctly, um, would definitely recommend, you know, shorthand on that regard. I'm a little more on screen readers. Um, so I know Maria did reference, you know, how a screen reader, screen reader can sometimes interfere or be, you know, kind of a nuisance listening to your screen reader, whether it's JAWS, NVDA, uh, narrator, you know, voiceover on a Mac. And, uh, you know, especially it's if you're listening to, you know, a professor or someone at a work meeting or any kind of meeting or event that you're attending in person or virtually, you know, the screen reader can kind of get in the way. Um, so it's, it's definitely important to know the functions of your screen reader. Um, there are <clears throat> most screen readers, there are, you know, it has the ability to, turn down the volume of the screen reader, um, which I do sometimes for like a Zoom meeting. Um, if I am, you know, listening to the meeting on the same computer I'm taking notes on, for example, you know, you can actually turn down the volume of that screen reader so that you can still hear what you're typing. If you do in fact want to hear that, that feedback and then not have it interfere as much, you know, with any kind of audio or anything that you might be listening to and of course, you know, an in-person circumstance as well, this, this could definitely be helpful too. And then of course, you know, you can, uh, you can change, you know, whether it's characters, whether it's words, uh, lines, I believe, as far as what a screen reader is actually reading. So, you know, you can uh, have it read obviously by character, you know, every, every key that you press, the screen reader will read or it could be, you know, word by word, um, or, you know, you can just turn off speech, obviously, in some cases as well, you know, if you don't necessarily want that feedback or need that feedback of what you're typing, again, so you can more intently listen to, you know, whatever it is that you're listening to. Personally, I do like to have the feedback, um, so I tend to, to turn my screen reader down, uh, if I am on the same device taking notes, or a lot of times I will, you know, have two different devices. Like for example, tonight I'm, I'm using Zoom on my phone, Zoom app. And then I just have, uh, I have my MacBook Pro here open. So I have, you know, one earbud uh, connected to, to my computer and one connected to the phone just to kind of split up and, and divert, you know, all that, that audio that's coming into your ears. Um, so that you can kind of manage things and, and not go, go too crazy uh, when it comes to taking notes.
And let's see, I also wanted to mention just as far as organizing your notes, also with a screen reader in mind. Um, so, you know, you might want to put like two stars or three stars next to a heading, for example, you know, say in the, I know like the, I believe it's the uh, dots and dashes ACB sends out and some of the community call lists use different formatting so you can more easily navigate you know, whether it's setting a heading in H1 and H2 or like the stars, like I mentioned, asterisks, uh, different things so that you can, uh, you know, easily navigate and find, you know, let's say you're, you want to add something to a previous uh, category or previous topic that you took notes on in a certain session you're listening to, you know, being able to navigate quickly back to that, that section of your document is, is important. And then just kind of the navigation keys as well on your keyboard, just kind of knowing, you know, page up, page down, uh, the home key, you know, the end key, just again, being able to easily and quickly navigate throughout a document of notes, um, you know, highly recommend just, just learning those keys, memorizing those keys, and it can really make your life, you know, so much easier when it comes to actually navigating through notes and finding certain sections, uh, you know, when you're actually in the middle of, of taking notes. So that's pretty much it on PC and Mac. And so I did want to briefly mention some digital recorders uh, that I do use. So I have an Olympus digital recorder. I know there are all kinds of, of them out there, you know, different uh, alphanumeric types and versions and whatnot, but they're all pretty much the same as far as what they can do. And so the, the one I have, I know it can record up to 100 hours of, you know, recording time. And it just has a few buttons on it that are all tactile. So that makes it pretty simple, just kind of being able to memorize those buttons or, you know, potentially using bump dots or different things, uh, you know, can get creative as far as navigating those devices. And uh, so it does actually beep. It gives you some kind of audible feedback, you know, when you do press each button. And it's, uh, it's very simple to just plug right into a computer via USB. So it has a little USB prong on it that pops out. And I do find it much easier to manage, you know, the content, the recordings on that device on the computer. Um, so if you just pull up the folder, you know, once you pop it into the USB drive, pull up the folder with the recordings and you can easily, you know, delete, <clears throat> copy and paste if you want to save something to your computer, whatnot. Um, so it's it's relatively accessible, even if you can't necessarily, you know, see or, or read uh, the actual device and the display on the device itself. And then I also have a MicroSpeak recorder, it's called. <clears throat> so it actually has a voice built into it. Um, so it will give you audible, you know, verbal feedback on the buttons that you do press. Uh, to, I believe, you know, fast forward, rewind, record, play, pause, stop, whatnot. Um, so it's, it's definitely more accessible, you know, more accessible compared to, say, some of the Olympus, just when it comes to the device itself. And it will actually speak the battery life, too, which is super handy because, you know, a lot of these devices you have to see 
uh, visually, you know, how much battery is, is left. It might have a little, you know, graphic or whatnot of, of the battery. So that is a handy feature of the micro micro speak. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Unless anyone has questions. Okay. So, um, since we don't have any raised hands, um, at the moment, then um, let's go ahead and close the evening out. But before I do that, I want to thank uh, both of you, Greg and Maria, for taking the time to present to us. I have learned a lot, and I hope those of you who participated with us this evening learned a lot as well. And again, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to present to us. And uh, have a great night, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you all at uh, Saturday Night Live at 7 p.m. Eastern this Saturday. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to know more about ACB Next Generation and the work we are doing to empower the next generation of leaders in ACB, visit our website at acbnextgeneration.org.